You know, something, anything can uh, capture our attention. Something can intrigue us, get us excited, start us out in a good way. But if you don't learn much about whatever it is you may be thinking about, if you don't learn the things that lay behind it, eventually you'll lose momentum and turn to something else. See, I'm thinking about uh, starting up a new hobby. Josie and I went to the beach a, a few months ago, and I got mesmerized by sailboats. I, I think sailboats are neat. Something about um, being pushed through the waves simply by the wind and uh, moving from one place to another. So since I'm thinking about uh, engaging this as a hobby, I started reading a book. I think it's like the greatest sailing stories ever told. It's an okay book. Uh, I think afterwards I'll get something a little more technical. Joined a few Facebook groups, pocket yachts, small sailboat group, um, sailing and yachting. It's kind of fun to look at on my phone. I have no idea what they're talking about, but it's interesting. I do know that if I never get into a sailboat and actually learn how to sail, my interest in sailing will dwindle. It's beyond the periphery. I might say I know a little bit about sailing, but it won't really make any difference in my life. Sometimes I think we approach Jesus like I am right now, talking about sailing. He's supposed to be a real part of our lives, and we can know a lot about Him at one level. But if we don't truly seek to understand Him, where He came from, what He came to do, if we continue to think that we know what we need to know and then stop there, our interest in Him will eventually dwindle, and we'll most likely move on to something else. See, John is trying to get us to see in this passage that we're about to read, he's trying to get us to see that life for the Christian, real life, is on a totally different level than than just knowing about something. Because to misunderstand the real nature and work of Jesus Christ leads to a shallow and superficial knowledge that may actually make things worse because we think we know something when we really don't. See, if I were to go out and jump on a sailboat this afternoon, take it out into the water, chances are I'm going to make some serious blunders. So for those of us this morning who are trying to, to, to center their lives on Jesus Christ, I do hope this passage of Scripture that we delve into today, I, I hope it encourages you to continue to center your life on Jesus Christ. If if Jesus Christ is um, on the periphery of your life today, I hope that you'll see the necessity of grabbing hold of Him more fully and trying to better understand not simply more about Him, but more of who He is. And then if you haven't considered Jesus Christ this morning, I pray that even as we read our Scripture now, this morning, 
you will consider Jesus Christ. Our passage comes from John chapter 7, beginning in verse 25. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. If not, it's printed for you in your bulletins. Please read along with me. John 7, verse 25. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is, speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed, as he taught in the temple, You know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. And Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer. Then I'm going to him who sent me. And you will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am going or where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, You will seek me and you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I I do pray this morning, uh, would you you open up our eyes, the eyes of our heart? Would you tenderly meet us where we need to be met? That we would better understand the answer to the question, is this the Christ? Who is Jesus? Help us now. For we depend on you. Amen. So could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? And they think about it for a second or two and they say, no, can't be. We know what the Christ is supposed to be like. Lack of understanding can often lead you to a life of unbelief. Growth in understanding often leads to an acceptance, a trust, even a submission to the person of Jesus Christ, which is nothing less than life as it is intended to be. That's why I've entitled this sermon, Life at a Different Level. Knowing God, knowing His world, and our part in it. So this morning, what I want us to do is... I want us to divide this passage up into to really three big sections. I'm not going to go in order necessarily. I'm talking about what we think we know. Because they thought they knew something. And they really didn't. So what we think we know, what we need to know. And then lastly, how do we get it? Realize our passage picks up where we left off last week. And the question last week um, was, Jesus, where have you, where have you got this good teaching Without having studied. What makes you so different? Why should we believe you? Why should we trust you? And then last week, if we remember from our our sermon there, Jesus responds something like this. He says, if you trust God more than you trust yourself, 
then you'll try to do God's will. You won't do it perfectly. You won't always do it, but that's what your life will be all about. And then you'll know, I am who I say I am. And most importantly, you will have a relationship with the God who created and redeemed you. And last week, that passage ended with Jesus basically telling the crowds, you need to make the right call, right? Do not judge by appearances, but judge rightly. Now, this week, we have a new question, and we think it's, could this be the Christ? But it's really, Jesus, where are you from? Because that's the way Jesus answers the question, Because they think they know something and they don't. Or what they know might be partially right, it's just missing something. So if you remember, the Jews have gathered, if you remember this from last week, the Jews have gathered at the biggest feast of the year. They had three feasts. This was the biggest one. You know, it's actually this time of year. It's the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. They would would all come to Jerusalem. And they would get together to celebrate and focus on God's provision and bounty. They would, they would build these little temporary shelters reminding them of where they came from when they, when they wandered around in the desert. And, and here they gathered at the end of the harvest time after all the work was done, realizing and remembering that God kept his promises. But, but it also pointed to something that they were expecting in the future. They were looking forward to God's final promise when the Messiah would come, when he would finish the job and everything would be made right. And it's in the middle of this feast that Jesus is teaching and they've already marveled at his teaching and now they're still amazed. They're amazed at a couple of things. First, they're amazed that Jesus is still there. He's speaking boldly, he's speaking courageously and he's not holding anything back. They're amazed at that, but they're also amazed at the fact that the authorities are letting him get away with doing it. They know that there are a lot of people mad at Jesus, many, see, many people seeking to arrest him, many people seeking to kill him, and they can't believe that Jesus is here teaching openly. So they're asking, in the middle of the feast, looking forward to, to God completing his promises, and they say, maybe he's right here, maybe this guy is it. And they think about that for a couple of seconds, and they say, can't be him. Verse 27, can't be him. Because we know where this man comes from, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. Don't get too caught up in the details here. You have to realize during this time in in the Jews' lives, there were differing ideas about the coming of the Messiah. They all knew that he would come in flesh and blood. Um, they were aware of the Old Testament scripture, that there were ideas that, that had occurred over the, the past, uh, the previous few hundred years where, where Jesus would just come out of nowhere. It's not like he would magically appear, but he would just show up. And, and what these people are saying are, are hey, we know you, Jesus. We, we know where you're from. We know your family. And we know that no Messiah is supposed to come from Galilee. So here's their thought process. They say, no one will know where the real Messiah will come from. We know where Jesus comes from. Therefore, Jesus is not him. And they're wrong. But they're not simply wrong because they get the facts wrong and the details. 
You see, they think they know where Jesus is from, and really they're partly correct, are they not? Jesus did spend a lot of time in Galilee. He wasn't born there, but they know where he's from. It's like, it's like this. You guys know this, right? If, if you ask me where I come from, I, I, I've told you. You all think I come from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right? I took a while to tell you that because I, I wanted you to kind of like me before I told you that. But now that you know it, you say, hey, it's okay. I like, I, the reason I say that is because Tuscaloosa is my fondest memories as a, as a young person. And I got to hung out, I hung out with Bear Bryant. Not really. You guys are very slow today. But Tuscaloosa is my home. But you know what? That's not really where I'm from. I was born in Tampa, Florida. Knowing me is a lot more than simply knowing where I come from. They think they know who this Jesus is. And oh, by the way, they know some things about Jesus. They just don't know what they need to know. Doesn't stop there. What else do they know? Look at verse 31. Many people believed in him. Listen to this now. When the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? And this is another good start, right? They are aware that when the Messiah comes, he will do miracles. They're also aware that Jesus has come and he's doing miracles. They just don't know what the miracles are about. Right? You, you remember John calls these miracles signs for a reason. These signs of Jesus confront mankind with what kind of world we live in, confront us with what kind of God that we have. They signify truth concerning God, concerning the Messiah, concerning the salvation that he brings. So these signs, they are very, very important. But guess what? They're not all important in and of themselves. Do you follow me? They point to something. And if you don't understand what the signs point to, you're possibly going to miss the whole point. Right? You can believe Jesus is an amazing man. You can believe that he did some really great things and it's not enough. It's like you can see a stop sign and if you don't know what the stop sign means, you'll end up go barreling through the intersection and you might squeak by and then you might not. These people know about the miracles. They know about the signs, but they don't know what they think they know. They know that Jesus is particular kind of person from a particular kind of family. So they do know some things. They just don't know him. It is possible for us who have gathered in this building today to think good thoughts about God. To to really even like Jesus. Right? Right? Matt, Matt Seipel, associate pastor, is here. You realize you usually do get a community sermon because we talk about it the week before, so let me give credit where credit's due. He helped me with this illustration. He told me about this fellow named Tom Waits who sings a song about chocolate Jesus. You guys familiar with that song? I wasn't, so I watched it on YouTube. Tom Waits introduces his song, and he says, he's got this real raspy voice, I'll spare you. 
But he says, this is a little song for all those people who have trouble getting up on Sunday morning and going to church. He calls it the Immaculate Confection. When you want to feel good about being religious, there's this piece of chocolate candy. On one side of the chocolate candy is a cross. On the other side is a Bible reference. So when you're wanting to feel all religious and good about God, you put that little piece of candy in your mouth, and when it's gone, you're good. You've had just what you needed to get you through the day. You see, we like the idea of God sometimes. We like the idea of Jesus. We even like the idea sometimes of coming to church. And we think we know a lot about Him. But oftentimes, we're really looking for this little piece of chocolate Jesus. And when we need Him, we'll take a little taste of Him. And then we'll move on in our merry little way. Thinking we know what we need to know in order to do what we need to do. That's the point here in this passage. If we don't recognize Jesus for who he is, we won't ever really know the real God and we'll end up living in a world of our own making and we won't really have what we need to have to do what God wants us to do. So what do you think you know about Jesus? good news is Jesus tells us what we need to know. Verses 28 and 29. Jesus proclaims, he cries out, he probably overhears the conversation about where they think he's from, and he says, yes, you know me, you know where I come from. Some of your translations may even have a question mark there. You know me, you think you know where I come from, it doesn't matter whether it's a statement or a question, because Jesus answers by giving them exactly what they need to know, right? He's come from Galilee, this was true, he's lived there for a time, he was born in Bethlehem, but he's not even going to address that because it's not that important, They are not wrong because of what they know or what they don't know. They are wrong because they're thinking on a simply human level. It's not about knowing facts about Jesus. It's about knowing who Jesus is and what he's come to do. Let me give you an illustration. We just had a baptism where where Rob, as, as the minister of the gospel, baptized a little baby. If all you thought was happening was a a little water being poured over that little baby and we were saying some nice prayers, you missed the point. And you might be right on the facts, but if you don't understand that God promises to work through His Spirit even as that water's poured over that little baby and He works through the understanding of what God has done in Jesus Christ to do all these amazing things beyond what you simply can see, then we just had a really nice time with that little baby. But that's not what happened. Jesus says, yeah, I may have been born on earth, and you may know that I've spent some time in Galilee, but I'm from God. I'm from heaven. And he says, I have not come on my own, but he who sent me is true. Let me tell you what he's saying there. He's not saying that that God, the one who sent him, is true and faithful. They would have all believed that. He is saying that the one who sent me is real, and it's not like real versus fake. 
None of them would have questioned that either. What he is saying is that he's come from God, and that's where reality begins, and God is really real. And if you don't understand the reality of who God is, you're simply living at a level of of life that's taking into account only what, what you can see, and you have no idea of what's really going on. Unless you start thinking and operating on God's level of reality, you have no hope of understanding what he's saying, who he is, and what he's come to do. See, if you keep thinking, if we keep thinking, we know what we need to know, then we will never know anything truly. If you're simply living your life by what you see, there's no way that you have the ability to understand what's really going on in this world, even if you're right on the details. You see, these people that Jesus is talking to, they're not operating on the correct level of reality. It's not that they're wrong or right. They're just looking at life from their own perspective And their own perspective misses a whole level of spirituality that they need if they are going to truly live. Jesus goes on in verses 33 and 34. He says, look, I'm only going to be here a little while longer and then I'm going back to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me, but where I'm going, you cannot come. And the only thing that they can figure out is, well, he must be going down the road a little bit to the land of the Gentiles, and you know we're not going to go there, so that, that's where he must be going. When in actuality, he's saying, not only did I come from the Father, not only did I come from the Father in a, in a supernatural way, but I came from the Father and I came to die and I will only be with you a little while longer. And if you don't recognize from where I come from, you have no hope of ever getting to that which is really real. Do you, do you see the, the problem with these people? It's not that they're getting the details wrong. And they are. Some of them. It's that they're operating simply on a level that doesn't include who God is and what He's come to do. Let me apply it to our lives some this morning. If you're not a part of this spiritual reality that Jesus speaks of here about where He comes from and and who He is and what He comes to do, the interpretation of the world that we live in will simply lead us to a superficial understanding of our lives. Think of, it's been big in the news, and I wanted to bring this up because I want you to know that the gospel has everything to do with everything that's going on in the world. Think of the Las Vegas massacre that happened six days ago. 58 people killed, over 500 people injured. And, And the only thing that I am hearing on the news and social media is three things. It's a tragedy. Some people do bad things with guns, but there are also some good people that have guns for the right reasons. And that's all I hear. And I don't have a problem with affirming any of that. Of course it's a tragedy. Of course some people do terrible, atrocious things, and they use guns. But of course it is true that also there are some people that have guns and they use them for the right reason. And and I'm hoping that that there are all sorts of those type of people out here among us that, that have differing views. I even hope that you've had an opportunity to discuss some of these issues with people. 
Even people that, that may disagree with you. And you've had really good conversations with respect and intelligence. But I do want to say that if all you've done is, is ended up talking about whether or not we should have more gun laws or less gun laws, and you didn't take the opportunity to share God's word about the condition of the human heart and the only solution, solution to that condition, then we're simply operating on a human level and we've missed a whole other level of reality. And that level of reality is of eternal significance. We'll be, we talk all day long about all sorts of things, and if we don't take them to that spiritual level of reality about the nature of God and who He is and the problems that we have and the solutions to that problem, if we don't hit those points, we're just living life shallow and superficially. And I, I want to say it like this. This came from Rob, okay? Thank you, Rob. Here you go. What you care about is important. Right? Your politics, sure, they're important. Your identity as a, as, a, um, as a Japanese person, as an African-American, as a white person, those things are very, very important, okay? You should care intensely about those things. But who and what you place your trust in is not only important, it's ultimate, and it trumps the, those other things, it doesn't minimize the importance of the things that you care about. It makes them matter. Let me, let me give you one more example. In our passage, Jesus says, look, I'm going to a place where you cannot come. And, and he's talking about his death. And all these people can come up with is, where does this man intend to go? He's going to go over there to the Gentile world and, and we're not going to go there. You know what that means? They have no intention, possibly, of even beginning to understand the plans that God may have for them. They can't even imagine why they might need to do something like this. And, and here's the point. When you don't know Jesus Christ as he reveals himself in Scripture, you will never be able to even imagine what God has planned for you. And you will never think you'll be able to do even a portion of what God commands of you. Because we're living so much in this world, you can't even imagine that there's something bigger and better. You know, and here's, here's my struggle, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. There is a whole level of reality that makes this world meaningful and makes our lives meaningful. But if we get so used to living by the things that we see and we never engage the spiritual realities of the truth of God's word, we're just going to muck around in the mud for the rest of our lives. You know what this is all about in this passage. We hear it all the time. I'm afraid we've just gotten so used to it that we have no idea what it means, it means anymore. And, and John is talking about there are two ways to live. You can live by sight and it's this level of reality or you can live by faith and it's a whole new level of living that opens up so many possibilities for us as Christians. You see, we have no idea what God can do in our lives if we're simply looking at our lives without God and what He's done for us. We, we have this idea that the life of faith is a life based on, on just pie in the sky. 
A life of faith according to God is trusting Him more than we trust anything else. More than we trust ourselves, more than we trust the things that we know, more than the, trust, more than the things that we, we feel, right? Whether it be your bank account, what other people think of you. You see, we think, we think the life of faith is some abstract idea of hoping for the best or living contrary to reason. That's not the life of faith that God describes. The life of faith that God describes is an assurance of the things that God has seen in the person of Jesus Christ. And you're either going to believe Him more or you're going to believe the world more. And if you trust Him more, you'll start entering into that level of spiritual reality and it will change the way you look at everything. These people are struggling because they're looking at life by sight. John wants the people that he's writing to to live by faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you how you know. If you have a Christian friend and you've gone to this Christian friend and you may be struggling with something in your life and he simply tells you something like, hey, you just need to honor your wife more than you do yourself or, or you just need to, to go and do something tangible and, and love your friend or, or you just need to even say no to sin and yes to Jesus. It's a bad sign when you can't even imagine that the possibility for you to do that is open to you. Because God says His Spirit is in you, opening up a whole new level of reality where we can say yes to Him and no to the world. And it doesn't make the world insignificant. It makes the world matter eternally. Jesus Christ is the one who strengthens your faith. You have to know where he comes from. You have to know what he's come to do. And you have to keep on grabbing hold of him. Let's pray. Father, it's, um, it is hard to live by faith. Because it's so easy to get wrapped up in the things of this world so easy to think that I can trust myself to do the things that I need to do. And yet, we know that it never works that way. So I pray this day, as, as, as we think about what we've sung about, as we think about the baptism, as we think about the Lord's table, which your, your children are about to come to, I, I pray that you would just give us eyes of faith, that you would strengthen our faith, and that you would help us see this world through your eyes and your promises. Help us now, even as we come, prepare to meet you in a special, spiritual, real way at this table. In Jesus' name we ask for his glory. Amen.